Did you like This American Dice's Scale and Shadow campaign? Did you like the first part of this review, where Austin and I explained that we sat down to review the module that inspired and drove our gameplay? The famous module titled Against the Cult of the Reptile God? Well, guess what? Here's the conclusion. So, David, final thoughts on Against the Cult of the Reptile God, the 1982 module for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons by Douglas Niles and Gary Gygax? Uh, nope, he didn't do this. Douglas Niles. He did Village of Hama. By Douglas Niles. Inventor Um, of the River. Well, we mentioned that having to train to gain levels. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. But we've never used that. It, it makes sense. There's a logic to it of like within a dungeon that I can be in for the course of three calendar days, I can't go in from being a noob to being like, I'm awesome. Look at me using terms like noob. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. boy. Wow. Oh, boy. Smash that like and subscribe button, guys. It's one button, right? But any other thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, that was interesting. And I think from what I understand, especially the the early AD&D thing, like uh, the old AD&D kind of a play style was you go into this dungeon and then you have your home base and you go back to several times. And I remember in the, the GM advice thing, one of your uh, maybe regrets was that we didn't get to go back to the, the town more often. And I think that's just built into the system of the earlier D and D is that you would be doing that a lot, especially to get trained, like as one example. So, Oh, I, I have enough gold or experience or whatever it was at that point. So I can train and get a level. It required you to then spend like a week or something that you would take. Oh, we're, we're at this level of the dungeon. Hold on. We're going to leave for, a week and come back, which also makes that the threat escalation list really interesting because if you do that, you're going to risk that explicit defilus is going to get more cult members and repopulate this whole level of the dungeon. You just cleared out. So that's a good, like fascinating thing that we didn't really go into much because of the system we used. I think in game time, it might've been like one day that you went through that whole, Explosive Phyllis's cave, her lair, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, there were... We, we can get to that as well, but... Uh, all Games always end up moving in, like, a very awkward way of these fixed... Exactly. These, these, like, incredible... Like, all right, like, most actual plays that you'll listen to, it'll be, like, uh, this this game that has been airing once a week over four years or five years. What happened? Like, like how, how, how long was that? Oh, that all only took 15 days. Like, well, yeah. shit. So I mentioned that, and you brought this up because of the, the thing there's two or three parts of the module. Basically there's the town. Mm-hmm. There is the forest or the swamp to get to explicative Phyllis's lair. Mm-hmm. And then there's her lair. From my perspective, the lair and the swamp were very similar because they took us away from the town. 
And in my opinion, I always like it when we can be around more people and kind of interact with more characters. That's usually more interesting to me. So mm -hmm. once we got away from that, then it became like, all right, this is now the, the, the old school D&D. This yeah. is the dungeon time. Although you could argue in the swamp, we met old Ash Oak and dealt with Lori and the elves, or I'm sorry, Dory and the elves and dealt mm -hmm. with the mystery of the cloven stump uh, as opposed to then we delved into the, the lair and that's where we were for what, two, three sessions, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think the, the travel to the lair was only like one session. We got yeah. it one and done. So, um, I, one of my critiques of it, um, even looking through it is so much of that is going to be spent on you. If you do it the old school way, you trudging through this swamp to get out to this other dungeon. Yeah. And to me, the place where this shines is that idea of the town. And if you see the movie Yajimbo, Tashiro Mifune's character, Sanjuro, shows up and is like kind of pitting these two sides, these two like different like gangs against one another as they both are trying to get him to help them out. And I think that this like strangers coming into town and not knowing who to trust and the people being standoffish or people trying to tempt them over to their side. That seems really interesting. And the mood just then shifts really entirely. The minute you're like, see you later town time to trudge through the swamp and occasionally fight giant frogs <laughs> or whatever it is in old school D and D style. I was going to say, is this part of the movie? This sounds great. Yeah. That movie's really good. Senjuro, the sequel is not as good, but it's still good. But yeah, I think, I think if I were to do it over, especially um, with that critique in mind, I would maybe try to skew closer to how the um, kind of the original module, maybe, or the original system, I guess was set up where, Maybe there's more reason, maybe, I don't know what you could do, but I would try and come up with some more reasons to maybe have the players go back to the village at least once, or maybe, you know, a couple of times to get over there to revisit these people and see how the town is changing or not changing. That'd be super interesting. But yeah, I know this and the village of Hamlet too, were modules that actually had all of these houses and their people, um, outlined in the, the module so you go to oh this is a blacksmith and here's like a few sentences or a paragraph on what the blacksmith's about and what they're doing and fascinatingly in this module one of my favorite things i should have brought this up earlier is they do tell you like in bold letters you know these are converted uh they're part of the cult or they're not which is very interesting so it's kind of preset so they're um it might seem very random to the players but at least the module you know, author had these already set up. So I think that was fascinating too. I might do it randomly perhaps, but I kind of love it. That's <laughs> what, it that's too. what I was just going to say. It might be an interesting thing to be like, this is how this person will behave mm -hmm. if they are not in the cult. This is how they'll behave if they are in the cult and then either have it do have, have it be random. And then at each interval of the cult is making more headway. All right which other people are now converted and now they behave a little differently than they did before kind of a thing. I think that might be cool. It's more than work on the dungeon master because you can't know this person like ahead of time. You then have to switch it 
midway through. Mm-hmm. But I think a really interesting adventure too would be just if you're if you're not doing this in Dungeon World or something, if it's just like a regular fantasy other game, what if her lair is just like under the, the village or something and there's no need to go through this swamp and you can just, you know, interact with the village way more often. You just have to that, walk upstairs or something. That's one of the things that to me seems a little odd about this. I'm glad you brought that up because since you have that long schlep through the swamp, it seems like that harkens back to that older style of D and D where part of this will be just the survival of now you have to make this journey with dungeon world. You can do the make a perilous journey move. And then that kind of like wraps a lot of that up, but I'd almost argue why not just since they already have the temple of America, which did we say was mm-hmm. the temple of Kanye? Yeah. Yeah. Um, since they have that temple in town, Oh, Why not right, just yeah. have it be under that temple, mm-hmm. um, but like well hidden enough that it's not super easy for the players to get to. Yeah, that, that's a really good suggestion. I think maybe I would do that that way. And I would suggest you out there listening, do that too. That might be more interesting and kind of solve that problem of you kind of leave the village behind halfway through. I'd also say that to set that mood early on of there's something off with this town. It doesn't make sense. There's something, there's a mystery afoot here. Dr. Watson, you need to spend time in the town. And Mm -hmm. so if you were to move through this too quickly, you can end up in a situation where you get to them going after the cult, but you haven't had the mood there. So, like, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to create that mood of paranoia and they don't know who to trust, all those extra NPCs allow for more ambiguity and nuance. And so Mm -hmm. if you can throw just lots more people into the situation, um, I think that that's a positive because then you have a situation where you're like, sure, that person was a dick, but then several other people weren't. Or then a few folks were more willing to deal with me, but then other people were upset. And you have you have more nuance just because you have a greater sample mm-hmm. there. It also allows you to get the personal stories of those people and it changes the stakes. Yeah. Um, and so not only would it might would it possibly make the character make some characters who are a bit reticent to help, maybe help, but also it changes the danger of, well, let's just leave. Mm-hmm. Because then if you have people who are theoretically good sympathetic people and you're just going to abandon them when you think something might be going on that then changes stuff up and theoretically good characters would be disinclined to just split. Yeah. So I think that that if you want to hammer that mood and encourage the players to investigate and look into things and feel awkward and feel uncomfortable and feel that something's wrong utilizing those town people and spending the time there in the module. It talks about how if they stay at certain inns, they might get ambushed, but only under certain circumstances. I think that's a really good thing of like, like, Hey, the cult is not trying to have an all out battle with these adventurers. Instead, if one of them's alone in this situation, then they'll go after them. And even then it would probably just be better if these people moved on. Or even better than that, 
we use these people to go deal with some folks who are tough to convert and we pay them and say, thank you very much. Be on your way. Mm -hmm. So that could be something. The constables that we had, whoever they were, the um, that did that hanging, mm-hmm. was that something that was originally in the game? And were those bandits early on that we first encountered also in the module? Uh, no, I think um, the bandits were definitely part of um, the village of Hamlet. That's part of the uh, me kind of bringing that stuff over, like uh, Larith the Beautiful and all that. And the handsome men were his bandit squad or whatever i forget where i got that hanging scene from i think i was just trying to to show that these cultists were weird and uh bad news i guess yeah i think i tried to drive home that this is a new thing for um orlane the village of orlane like uh the hanging thing was like recently constructed or something like that so i was just trying to hint at that i believe i don't remember if it was in the actual module or not did you come across that when you reread it? I did not. So that's why I was like, oh, was this something that you, I have to assume this is something you put in there. I think that constable was. Yeah. Trying to search for it, but I can't, I I don't see it. Yeah. Whenever I could, I tried to use the names because they were all great. What was the title? It was constable or. I tried to make those those creepy nuns. I think they're all just like gecko people Mm -hmm. (laughs) like already converted. I think that was something I, I added as well just to show that not only the temple was infiltrated, but just make them weird. Huh? Okay. Yeah. I don't see much about the constables, so maybe that hanging. I just added that. Yeah. All right. I mean, that is, that is something that could definitely affect that mood. I feel that, uh, if you throw something like that in early on too, that can really change stuff up. I think we were a little too already convinced that Mm -hmm. like, Oh, everything's bad. And is everything here is bad. And there's no way these guys aren't part of this cult. Yeah. If that happened early on, it would be like something's up here. And maybe even those were bandits that we fought. These people are on our side. Kind of a deal. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. And since we just fought them, like, kind of almost to the death maybe that might be the kind of thing that would incline someone to be like well they almost killed us a little while ago so maybe i can like not think it's that weird that they're being executed here yeah no that makes full sense all right oh the last little thing i have and this is such a tiny critique of this module Mm -hmm. is the sense of time we talked about how in the game, there's this sense of time um, that sometimes feels weird where you're like, okay, all this stuff happened. It has been 36 hours. And like, you're like, Oh my God, have you heard that, that theory that all of the first star Wars movies take all of the first star Wars movie takes place in a day. No, that's very interesting. Yeah. That it's like from the moment the movie starts and we see Darth Vader, his ship coming after princess Leia all the stuff with Luke on that planet that it all happens like in basically like a 24 or at the most 48 hour period that like there isn't very much time that goes on from point eight from the, the inciting incident to uh, everyone uh, 
getting celebrated as heroes. No, I love that theory though. So I could believe that. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can also say like, well, there's plenty you didn't see, but yeah. Uh, which is how movies work. We also didn't see Luke go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, unless you go to this website, use <laughs> offer code. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. I was trying to do like a force joke of like, don't force. <laughs> um, but yeah, so one of the things they talk about is the sense of time in a place. In the module, it says that this village is only supposed to be a generation old. So mm -hmm. the way I would take that is the oldest person in the town was one of the people who established this town. Mm. So like, and if it's only a generation old, most of the grown adults would probably have come here as children. Or when they were growing up, this place was like in the process of being built still. So that would mean that like that changes things all of a sudden, because even though this is like a medieval society, then everything is much more new. Mm -hmm. You know, like like a lot of these buildings would actually seem pretty new. This church or this temple it being here how the fuck did it get here like is this this big grand thing it's kind of presented as something pretty impressive was mm -hmm. this built beforehand is it an older thing that became then became the the temple of america i forget if that's something they said but then maybe that's something that you could explore that like oh this town is very new but this temple is very old it's now a catholic church mm -hmm. but it was here long ago before any Christian settlers came to this area that they say was abandoned or they say was empty. So what's the deal there? So then that could be something, but that's always a tough one in some of these games. And I think that's one of the differences that you'll run into with how institutions and certain other things work. And that changes things up. If you're trying to make stuff a little bit more realistic, if a place mm -hmm. is very new, there aren't set ways of doing things. Like, well, we are this way. Well, you're you're this way. Mm -hmm. There's no set way of doing this shit. This is the way you've been. This is the way it's been done for. Since as long as you can remember, but. It's not because it's this ancient tradition that's been passed on. And so it changes up how people kind of relate to the society and the institutions around them. Hmm. So that's a little. Yeah. It's not a complaint I have, but it's like. They say that, and then everything else in the story makes it seem like it's an older village than that. If yeah. That makes sense. It seems like they kind of said that and then bailed on that premise. Or maybe one person wrote that and <laughs> thought it would be cool, and the other person didn't care for the idea, and they never went back to check each other. Like, nobody listened to the other. Everybody was just like, well, we've already started saying that this is in here. Why not? Yeah, interesting. I, I never really um, caught on to that. I I did. I do remember they they did mention how the uh, the temple was older gods, and then they converted it into America at some point. I think they mentioned like there used to be like statues that they took out and replaced with America statues or something. It was like a like a god of the harvest or something, right? Or goddess of the harvest. That's what America is. Yeah. In the in the in the thing, it's the the, the goddess America. Yeah. That. I did catch and I thought it was very interesting. So I sort of put that in there entire game a little bit, but 
none of the other stuff. I, I don't think I even realized that it was supposed to be just one generation. So it just kind of sprung up out of nowhere. I kind of love that though. I wish I had. And yeah. Maybe that... they could have uh, drove that home a little more in the, the module. Well, the other thing with that is even if people are setting those things up, if the place is newer, mm -hmm. there might be more people who are inclined to leave. Yeah. And I guess so... they did make a big point of that is that a lot of people are just leaving or getting converted. <laughs> yeah. And you might try to then have like a focus on the people who are staying, how they're refusing to leave or how they're hesitant to leave because they say, you know, I was born here or I was one of these first people or my dad used to be this. And so that was very important. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this. And maybe it's like this element of pride and maybe it makes these people either come off as like, either heroic or jerks or like that kind of thing. And so you can play with that a little bit more as opposed to just like, this is this town that we just have to assume has always been here. The fact that it did, it didn't exist when your dad was a kid kind of a thing mm -hmm. like is, is changes stuff up. And that's just me thinking about this stuff too deeply, but in the same way that like with apocalypse world versus the sword, of the crowd and the unspeakable power, Apocalypse World basically says, like, everything's off to the wind. There's nothing set in stone. And then the Sword, the Crown, and the Unspeakable Power has certain things that make it seem much more like, well, there are these institutions that do exist. They might be shaky, but they exist. Mm -hmm. But those that's the kind of stuff that you could play with. And I think that this game sets something up, and then it doesn't get into it, but you could twist it to explore it more if you wanted to. Yeah, that's something I hadn't even considered. That's really interesting. I have a couple things here. Um, the one big criticism I have was the uh, the way that it's set up. I think that it wants you to do is that basically the first time, or you know, one of the first times, if not the first time, that the um, PCs go to bed at the hotel, like the bad hotel. I think there's two, like two inns. They're supposed to get ambushed and like attacked what in the the middle of the night and theoretically if they don't do well here they'll just be kidnapped and taken to explicate the herself and be theoretically mind controlled and and you'll have to rescue this this player's character which sounds terrible i think it would it would have been more interesting in um how i guess dnd was played at that time because you usually have multiple characters where you could just remake your character and that's fine. We'll go rescue this up, you know, Brandon's first character. And now he just made a barbarian so we can go help out. But that's the way it's written. And I think uh, I was not looking forward to doing that. And I'm glad that the game that I ran uh, didn't happen that way. And we had the soup encounter, which was, I think way more interesting <laughs> where they, uh, they kind of played their hand earlier and I kind of steered it in that direction. I, I was not looking forward to doing the, uh, ah, and everyone wakes up by being hit on the head, like with swords and everything. I kind of thought those were frustrating encounters back in the day when, you know, when you're starting off and those are, those are more common, I guess maybe they, maybe they came from this module, <laughs> that kind of trope of happening in, in these role-playing games. But, I always hated those. So my suggestion, if you're running this, I might not do that. 
And that's definitely my biggest critique with the uh, the story as it goes. How'd you feel about that? You glad we skipped that part of it? I always remember doing that to players like many moons ago when I was starting things out. And what it would always just mean is like, okay, somebody gets captured and then you have to have this weird scene where you figure out a reason for why they're not captured because it doesn't feel good or interesting to have them like totally at the mercy of some other character. So then, uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would skip that stuff. But uh, my, my final judgment on this one was I, I liked the game that we ran that we played. I liked it a lot. I think the module has a lot of like really good stuff in it. And if you can change things up to kind of modernize it, there's a lot there that I think really works out as this kind of mystery for the stuff in the town. And you could even divorce it entirely if you wanted from the reptile god dungeon crawl that happens in the second or third part of the game. If you wanted it to just be about like, then they get to the temple and there's an evil priest or priestess that is mind controlling people. You don't have to go into a temple or a you a temple. You don't have to go into a weird swamp and then go in onto an underground cavern. You've got this big, scary temple right there. Just do that. But as is, it's definitely an item from an older generation of how people did this stuff. And I think if you're a more tactical player, you will be absolutely fine with that. And in fact, if you're a very tactical player, you might get bothered by the first part, the part that I really loved <laughs> of being like walking around in town and being like, okay, this person's a dick. This person wants us to help. This person wants us to stay. This person doesn't. And you might just find yourself kind of frustrating some characters that are more tactically minded because they're just trying to go around and be like, okay, how do I cast speak truth or some equivalent mm -hmm. of it on mm -hmm. people to constantly force them into telling me what their deal is or not. Yeah. If nothing else, the, um, the map is great too. And um, just that list of who is a cult member and who is not would be perfect just to lift and like, Oh, I'm not using this cult. But I'm using another one. Why not use this village that kind of has the, the cultist, you know, already set up for me. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah. And oh, just speaking of the the map is really good, but the the art is so like of its time and kind of perfect. It's so like the old school, just wild art. Especially the cover is really good. Uh, oh yeah, the cover looks super cool, and then some of the interior art is like, ah, this is from this era of uh, yeah of dungeon Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff. Not the earliest, earliest era. Yeah, but pretty close. Not, not far off from it. It's the um, uh, like yeah. the the monochromatic line drawings, if you can imagine that. I think as soon as anyone sees a picture of this, like, oh yes, that that era, yes, which I love. I love them. Unironically, they're really dumb and like perfect. One last thing, and this is more game master stuff. A thing that I think that this game benefits from is the person running the game keeping the door open for the players to just leave mm -hmm. and i think that that actually helps so often in games you don't want the players to be like okay well fuck this this is stupid i'm gonna go like you'll usually have it be set up where no everybody's already bought in why have you before we started agreed to go into the dungeon like and that's good 
but I think this game actually benefits from it a little more because so much is that initial misdirect in the village of there mm-hmm. isn't anything wrong here slash people being like, get out of town. You, you outsiders, we got enough problems. Get on out of here. Um, so with that, having the option to just leave, I think is beneficial. And I think that it would, it's good then to have characters who can be sympathetic who are in the town. And so some players might want to connect to them and be like, how's, how's so-and-so doing? That was interesting that they were in that weird town, that weird predicament. And then if they do leave, have something else for them to do. And then there's a possibility of one of the characters from this town escapes and they have some terrible thing happened. And now it sucks the players possibly back in. I think that's, that's an interesting element of you can go. You don't have to stick around. Like, I think that that's beneficial in this game and have them maybe go move on to the next small town. Or maybe there's a traveling encampment of people that they encounter. That kind of a deal. Yeah, and this one, uh, because of that thing I keep praising, the uh, the list of, you know, what happens if the players do nothing. That could, this could be really interesting to just do two modules at the same time uh, or just two plot hooks going on there, which is wildly different. Like this one is already set up for you and then something else going on and the players will have to choose which one. And like I said, this one already has the built-in stuff in the module. Like, oh, if they don't choose this one, here's how it gets worse and worse. So that could be a, an interesting little uh, stress test for the players. So you heard it here on This American Dice. This little guy isn't full of mice. It's a reptile god for one and all. So check it out on This American Dice this fall. Thanks, Ah. everybody. Have a great night. We'll be back. Thank you to our musical guest, Beck. And we'll, uh, I don't know, it turned into a Saturday Night Live thing at the end rather than the newscast (laughs) that it was earlier on. Uh, And like kind of a Gene Shalit rhyming review. I did did love that. Yeah, this, this, this module is good. It's just a it is a creation of the times that it was made in and there isn't anything wrong with that. And you can adapt it. And even if you try to play it the way it was meant to be played, then you'll still have to change shit because you'll have players running around and being like, I kill them or saying, I don't want to deal with this or going into something. And you'd be like, I guess it doesn't say that this isn't there, but this would have two stories. Huh? Like that kind of a deal, which always happens. So yeah. I I I think this is a this is a positive and it is short, right? It's like yeah. 30 pages. Yeah. I can and answer that question as I have it up right now, ah, so it is. Uh, of course, I searched a thing. It's 32 pages and that includes I think the front and back cover. Yeah. And so So it's short as shit. Even if you don't run the module as is, like there's so much stuff you can like pick out of it that will be great. So very highly recommended, I'd say. Yeah. And then all positive. I think to leave us though, I want to go just a little smattering of some of these like incredibly good fantasy names that they came with with this. Uh on Wesley Waspwayne. On Yeah, so I mentioned a couple of these already, but there's Bertram Beeswell, which we did have, and he sounded too much like a bee that I had to make a bee related. There's Snigrot Dogroot, which was incredible. I think he made an appearance too. He might have been the cook, perhaps. Some other ones unused were uh, Killian Gade, which is that's going to be my next character. That's an awesome name. The mayor, Zacharias Ormond, 
incredible. Belba Kraloon, also so good. And then Explictica Defilus herself, like one of the, the coolest, dumbest, perfect villain names ever. It's like up there with Dr. Doom. Like what a what a stupid name. Explictica Defilus, it's perfect. I love it so much. It's very much a um a Star Wars Clone Wars level of bad guy name. Yeah. Uh, it's just like the fake uh um Latin of it is is great. I love it. It's 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 a lot of fun. Those those kinds of names can really, really help set the mood for certain things. And if it's supposed to be if it's supposed to be like a small town, having names that are maybe real weird and outside whatever naming convention the character the, the players come up with for their characters, <laughs> I think can kind of work pretty well. I think I even uh I want to say I employed you to uh to give me some weird southern names as we were playing this too that I used during the game. Oh yeah, I definitely gave you some that sound that sound like like everyone's like a like is that a person or a cartoon dog that like smokes a cigar? Natural, yes. One so, or the other, and maybe both. Yeah. Anyhow, all right, all right folks. So, so again, the, this American two, Dice seal of approval. Two thumbs up for this thing that we uh, we ran and uh, had. What was the end count of episodes of the actual game? Twenty five, twenty six. Um, that sounds right. <laughs> I don't have that up, but that's all right. right. 28. There you go. So we have 28 had, total. We had at least 28 hours of entertainment from this. Yeah. So that makes it. Would you say that one or Doisp was the shortest? This is not related to the, the module review. I'm just uh, thinking, but. Uh, I don't know. There, this one definitely had fewer sessions, so I, I bet this would be the shortest. Okay, cool. So yeah, two thumbs up, and uh, uh, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a wrap on Scale and Shadow. Thank you so much to the players, the authors, artists, and editors that put together this module. Also, the authors, artists, and editors that put together Dungeon World. The system we used, all the musicians that made the music you heard throughout Scale and Shadow, especially Cal Pay and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio, and of course, a very, very special thanks to you. Yeah, you, the person listening to my voice right now. It really means a lot to us at This American Dice that you took the time to listen to us, tell some stories, and hopefully have some fun. If you liked what you heard, you know what to do. Share it with a friend, shoot us a message or maybe burn a sympathetic token in a ceremony to spread the word and preserve our souls. We're taking a couple weeks off from Long Game Thursdays to gear up for our next big campaign. Giving too much away would be cheating, but you're in for a melodramatic, monstrous good time. And just in time for spooky season. Check back for more details on that, and don't forget about our Friday short games in the meantime. Talk to you soon! For folks at home uh, who can't see what's going on, obviously David is trying to catch a small mouth that he and Nathan Lane have been hired to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's quite the, a wacky adventure. The mouse cage, mm-hmm. my favorite yeah, sequel. Mouse. Yeah, it's it's and Nathan Lane and a mouse uh, have to pretend they're straight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. So. All right, uh, Callista Flockart, 
still in the, also in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she takes on the Gene Hackman role as the like uptight conservative senator. But <laughs> she's a mouse too. By the way, going back and watching I, that movie, The Birdcage. Yeah, the movie is amazing. It's phenomenal. Um, the guy in it who plays Robin Williams' son looks so much like Nathan Lane. He is not Nathan Lane. Hmm. Let me rephrase this. Because I meant Nathan Fillion. Nathan Lane is in the film. He looks so much like Nathan Fillion that I kept being like, is that Nathan Fillion? Did Nathan Fillion just look very different when he was way younger? Because he's supposed to be very young. And it's like, is this him? It is not. It is not Nathan Fillion. It is Nathan Lane, though not playing that character. Yeah, you you have me confused for a minute, but that makes more sense. Oh, sure. Yeah. And even more confusing, Hank Azaria is in the movie, a man of many voices. Interesting. All right. Um, so 